0: Hello, everyone. My name's Alex. Welcome to the Resilience Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Cal and Ash. Hello. On this week's podcast, we'll be discussing what it means to be resilient, tell you a little bit more about the Resilience Project. Ashley.
1: Um, I'm the head of the Resilience Project UK and international, also working on Boost. The Resilience Project is something that I'm really passionate about. I've been a social worker since I was about 18 years old. So seeing young people succeed is a really big thing for me. But it's also really about telling people that they can move forward in challenges or we're really empowering people to be able to break through those challenging times that normally they sometimes wouldn't be able to break through or feel like they couldn't break through.
0: So you mentioned Boost. Kyle, you're our technical director. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about how Boost fits into the wider resilience project framework?
2: Yeah, well, the Boost framework kind of fits in in a number of ways. Number one, it's a online platform which is basically based on your phone. It's an application with resilience resources on there to help you manage different parts of your development. And then another way that it can be used is to support the resilience program. So when we do our events and our one-to-ones, you can also have the resilience application to underpin some of the things that we've talked about in any of our open speaking events at the Resilience Project. So how do the resilience resources work within the Boost app? Any information that we might create on the Boost platform, ideals around safety, anger, how to deal with stress and failure. So we create content on the Boost platform and we disseminate that to all our users. So they're able to access the library which has a host of different topics that they can pick through whenever they want to to help them through a difficult patch.
0: We're mentioning the word resilience quite a lot and I guess everyone must have their own definition. Ash, why don't you tell us a little bit more about what we mean when we use the word resilience?
1: We like to define resilience as getting back up from adversity and challenge. We hear a lot about mental health, you know, in the media. And whilst that's phenomenal and people feeling okay to talk about where they're at or their challenges or or their successes... I think it's really important to establish that resilience is more in line with emotional well-being. How are you? And when a challenge happens, how do you get back up from that and learn that? So at the Resilience Project, we really do try and separate, you know, mental health or someone who has been struggling with something for a long time as a result of a a traumatic event or, you know, a way of responding to an event continually, which is essentially kind of acute mental health. But we focus more on that because you have a challenge or because you're stressed at university and have an exam period or you're feeling anxious or there's a situation you're feeling down about, it doesn't necessarily mean that you have a mental health issue. So we really try and tie the word resilience in with the understanding of emotional well-being. And it's the standard questions. How am I and how do I move forward from this?
0: And so being resilient is just as much about dealing with your own problems if you can and if you have the capacity to and also having the confidence to ask for help when you need it, isn't it?
1: Yeah, definitely. I think sometimes asking for help is one of the biggest challenges for most people, but it's also one of the biggest successes to growing as a human being. And I think sometimes that's because as human beings, we really do find it hard to be vulnerable. If I speak to someone about this challenge or I let them know that I'm feeling anxious or I let them know that I'm feeling down, how are they going to respond to me or how are they going to look at me different? And at the Resilience Project, with everything that we're doing, the public talks, the curriculums, you know, and even with the app, what we're trying to do is say it's okay to actually have a challenge because everybody has them, um, but sometimes you just need to speak about them.
0: So, Cal, we've been talking a lot about the theory of resilience. Um, can you give us an example of someone who you'd consider resilient in your life based on what, everything that Ashley said about the Resilience Project?
2: Yeah, so I guess for me, um, I'm going to choose someone who has been in the news recently um, through different reasons, different topics. And for me, a resilient person is someone like Serena Williams. Um, and the reason why I chose Serena Williams is because not only is she a woman of colour in a sport which is predominantly um, um, not for anyone from her background, she's there at the top of the game and being one of the, the or being the best at a, a sport which is almost in some ways... Um, had a different kind of view again so had kind of a barriers that she had to pass through um, in order for her to be the top of her game.
0: Do you think in a kind of interesting way her resilience very early on has made her the player that she is. You know, I remember watching an interview with her a while ago where she described how her dad would take both her and Venus to the public tennis courts, which were concrete. They weren't even, you know, the normal hard court surface because they I I don't think they had enough money to attend a, a normal tennis club. And I think, personally, just listening to that interview, I think that kind of... You know, persistence, you know, going to public tennis courts, being taught tennis by their dad, you know, working together, pushing through adversity. As you mentioned, you know, she's both, you know, um, a woman and also someone from an ethnic minority background. Uh, do you think that's played a part in her success as well as everything else?
2: Yeah, definitely. I think it has played a part in her success and her being able to move past or know that it's OK for her not to be um totally perfect at something has helped her to understand that she needs to work a bit harder in order to um, push past what was meant to be for her a glass ceiling.
1: I really like the point that you raise is do you think she's successful because um, she was resilient and it's really interesting you say that because, you know, we all have Facebook and we all have a, a scroll here and there and we've all seen those videos where it talks about the people who are in the limelight and, and everything they went through. You know, there's always like your Tom Hardys or whoever have come from these backgrounds where there's been struggles or, um, you know, where they've had challenges and it talks about how they've all had to go through these kind of situations to get there and the interesting thing about it is because, really, you do have to go through those challenges to learn. Do you know what I mean? So in in response to that, I would say, yeah, the the people who you look at are successful. I mean, you're always going to get those people who, who great things happen to. But I think that sometimes comes down to their positive thinking. But majority of the people get to where they are or get the accolade that they do or the awards that they do or the recognition that they do because somewhere along the line, someone has told them no or it's been hard or they didn't have any money. You know, like you you, you see where people's bank accounts were before they got their first big film and those different types of things. But they didn't stop what they were doing because of the context of what they're in. So in regards to Serena Williams, I 100% think it's her resilience that has gotten there. You know, it's it's okay that these things have happened. You know, I may be in a minority. Our family may not have money, but it doesn't mean it's going to stop me from moving forward in this challenge.
2: I think as well as because she's also got the other um, part of being a female and she's been a female and, and, and women are, are are seen as, oh no, she can't dominate a sport for that long. Oh no, she can't win that many Grand Slam titles because she's a woman, you know, but she's proved time and time again, it doesn't matter. And that's why I think she's written because she's proved it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter.
0: It's interesting because, you know, she's had a child recently um, and, you know, she wants to come back and be the first um, woman with a child to win a Grand Slam. Mm-hmm. Do you think that plays a role as well? You know, th- those kind of biological obstacles as well as cultural and societal, you know, making people have to go out of the box and think of new ways of overcoming obstacles that perhaps others in different situations don't have to overcome. Uh, you know, I... Uh, you know, thinking about it, I, I, I personally feel like it's a big part of resilience. You know, I mean, I mean, we talk about, you know, in our resilience guidelines sessions, we talk about awareness, thinking, being able to reach out, and self-evaluating your own fitness in situations. And I feel like if you've managed to s- surpass difficulty in the in the in your prior life, um, to a certain extent, that makes you much more able to cope with difficulty going forward. Yeah. Ashley, what do you think about? You know, you mentioned earlier that, you know, if you look at the bank accounts of certain people just before they hit success, you know, there are often people that are sort of struggling, failing, and then they, you know, suddenly all their work pays off. To what extent do you feel like that's resilience that's, you know, to cause that?
1: Um, I think there's two key factors here. I think resilience is the major factor. But it's the resilience in the way of here's a challenge. How do I grow from grow from it and move forward from it? I'll, I'll use myself as an example. I would say I'm quite a resilient person. Normally, when challenges come up, I'm not kind of like, oh, that's the end. I failed. You know, change direction. All of those kinds, of, kind of type of things. But I would say that sometimes, personally, in my life, if a challenge happens, say, and I'm really busy it's water off a duck's back, but it's not really because that challenge has still happened. So I would say yes, but resilience in the way of if there's growth caused from that specific challenge or, you know, that specific adversity, then yes, that's resilience. If there's um, deflection or ignoring of that and there's no learning from that specific challenge, then I think it's a little bit of a different thing.
0: And I guess the important thing is that, you know, to be resilient, It's there aren't a, a list of specific challenges no. that make you resilient. It, it's, it's about overcoming the challenges that you face. Yeah. And I think that is a really important note to touch on uh, and make clear, you know, it's not, you know, you don't have to be from a certain background or a certain type of person or to face the most difficult challenges yeah. in the world to be resilient. You know, what you're saying about just overcoming whatever challenges or and not even all the challenges just just knowing that you can overcome challenges I think that's what makes someone resilient.
1: Yeah definitely I mean Alex you 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 know if we're talking about resilience resilient people I think that you've got a phenomenal example of what resilience may look like in the life of a uni student in the last year so you know do you want to tell us about your year and your experience of first year of uni because for some people you know there's not you going on to be a famous movie star well not yet anyway <laughs> the,
2: the alex show
1: yeah the alex show the podcast host extraordinaire <laughs> um but i think you've got a very valuable story of resilience yeah. and and how you learned from the situation
0: i think it's interesting that you raised that i mean just to, uh, a little bit about me you know i i was at uni last year for a year um, and for a number of reasons i I wasn't enjoying it. I didn't feel like um, the experience represented what I wanted when I when I first started out. And for a lot of the year, you know, I found it difficult really to enjoy it. Um, it wasn't the work so much, more the sort of the circle of people doing my course. I didn't feel like um, I was getting the right kind of engagement. Um, and the environment really wasn't for me uh, in essence. And it was quite a hard decision to decide to leave that uni. Um, you know it took a lot of time and thinking and it was a risk Um, you know when I left uni I didn't have a job lined up I didn't have anything really to do I didn't know whether or not I'd get into any other uni or you know do anything with my life really and so you know when I left that that did take courage which I think is perhaps another thing that we can talk talk about in in conjunction with resilience Um, so after that you know i was sort of muddling about a little bit and then sort of stum- stumbled across you know the Resilience Project um, and now you know working on this now writing content for Boost and the Resilience Project hosting this and doing something that I'm really passionate about and enjoy and you know use my own personal experience to justify and support that Um and now you know the, the future's looking much brighter than it was a year ago okay. so good something and like that not orange
2: <laughs> future's bright future's orange
1: yeah they're pretty, pretty. sorry should, should we mention the year subscription of Haribo you promised to buy me <laughs> for the job
2: <laughs> um, just cut, to cut all, out, cut out. <laughs> <laughs> just to all our listeners out there um, other mobile phone uh, providers are available instead of Orange you can use anyone else <laughs> no
1: this, plugs this, this isn't an ad
2: for Orange which is now t mobile I'm not, I'm not saying how I know that but I just I just kind of know anyway
0: so it's interesting that we talk about that because you know a, a lot of people in my situation would have you know associated the terms sort of like strength and sort of stiff upper lip and resisting difficulty and adversity with resilience and you know just the other week i was actually in bradford interviewing uh, some young kids for our youth Voices network that we're starting up alongside the resilience project and the first you know i asked I asked one of them you know what what they think resilience means and the first word out of his mouth was resistance and i feel like you know that does pose a little bit of a problem for us because that's not what we mean by resilience you know as we've spoken about so actually you know in light of that how, how do you think we can redefine the word resilience and do you think some of those unhealthy and toxic definitions of resilience that some people may have are problematic for our program going forward
1: um i i wouldn't say they're problematic um i would say if anything us redefining and establishing what resilience is and how closely it's tied to emotional wellbeing might actually be slightly refreshing for people um, because it does take the pressure off it. Um, I think sometimes, you know, resonance can be tied really closely to the things that I was previously talking about, like acute mental health or, or something like that. Or for example, what I'd previously also mentioned scenarios like coping you know, water off a duck's back, you know, deflection, all of those different types of things. Some of those things, sadly, are learned from, you know, what we see our parents do, what we see those around us do. But I think this ideal of what resilience is will actually be quite refreshing. I mean, how refreshing is it when you have a challenge and you have someone go, it's okay. It's okay to not be okay. <laughs> and um, <laughs> and then, you know, and, and having someone go, or, or someone previously saying, you know, well, this is what I've done or this is what I've experienced, and it's kind of like a relief that I'm not the only one going through it. I'm not the only one that has seen resilience that way. I'm not the only one that faced challenges, and, you know, um, we do a lot of resilience training, um, which you've come to, and we, we, we like the work of Brene Brown because she does phenomenal work, and I think she explains things that are quite um, – can be quite complicated in a really simplistic way. Um, and I like that you mentioned courage before because she talks about courage is, you know, really what courage means is to be wholeheartedly imperfect, the courage to be who you are. And I think the ideal of resilience that we're presenting is we're saying it's okay to be you wholeheartedly. You know, You there's these society standards. You know, some people say you have to go to uni, you have to finish your degree. There's all of these standards, but at the end of the day, this is your life and your vulnerabilities and your challenges and they're okay to have and they're okay to learn from and so i think yeah it would be refreshing i mean i know i find it refreshing when you know people come to me and say it's okay
2: mm. i, th- I- I also think as well in in re- redefining the word, I think it's so important because in culture, we kind of do this a lot as, as as young people. We take words that are meant to mean bad things and we redefine them for our own means. For instance, <laughs> wicked. Very liberal state no. we live in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's true, for instance, yeah. like wicked, right? Yeah. Um, A couple of generations ago, wicked would, would be associated with witches you know, and bad things. Now wicked is like a term of endearment or something being radical, rad, right? We shorten radical to rad. Radical was something, oh no, things are radical. Now it's like rad is like good. It's a good thing to happen. So I think with resilience, us redefining that word is saying, you know, we are taking hold of that word. And we're saying that as a young people, as young adults, as when we grow up into bigger adults, older adults, adults or just adults, um, we then become resilient. Yeah. in terms we accept things that happen and we move past them. You know, not throwing them away, not saying it never happened to me, but actually saying, you know what, let's work through this. Let's take that kind of issue and work through that barrier. And I think that's what we're doing at the project. For me personally, I think we are taking the word and we are redefining it for ourselves to move forward.
0: Would you say this generation of young people is resilient? You know, you often yeah, see in the yeah. news yeah. young people being called things like "snowflakes" and yeah. "weak,"
2: but no. would you, would you say that they are resilient? Oh, definitely. in 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 this Brexit climate, yo, young people are resilient. We are literally g- having our voices heard. We are saying to Parliament, "Look, nuh-uh, how can you <laughs> not on our watch?" Because unfortunately. All you guys will be gone when we really feel some of the effects. So we need to make sure our voices are heard too. So I think young people are becoming more alert and aware of the world. And and these are things that, you know, that we talk about in the Resilience Resilience Project, like social media. I think social media has such a great um, addition to our lives, but also like anything good, anyone can turn it into something bad. So I think it's just being aware of, of, of how to use this gift, which is social media, as the tool it was meant to be used for and not be used for this other you know, propaganda-ish tool that some people use it for.
0: It's interesting that you mentioned social media because in, in many ways resilience for me is, is quite a personal endeavour. It requires introspection and honesty with yourself. <laughs> But a lot of the time, what you find with social media is that it's very much the opposite of that. It's Mm -hmm. a projection of everything that you deem positive. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you think that can potentially have a negative impact on people's resilience?
1: Yeah, definitely. I I think it can, but I think the message of, you know, what we're working with and who we're working with um, ties back to the point where we're saying it's okay to not be perfect. I mean, if, if we take an example of... You look at, um, sadly, mine and Carl's generation of young people. Models were size zero. Everyone, everything was perfect. You couldn't step on a land. You you look at social media now, and there's this vulnerability that it's okay to, you know, you look people like Ashley Graham. It, it's okay to be size 18. You know, I think this generation is slowly going, well, actually those ideals don't apply for us. And it's starting to swing the other way now. Like you look at catwalks and they've got plus size, but they're actually not hiring really size zero because it's actually unhealthy. So I think whilst yes, social media can have a negative, um, you know, effect on young people, it is also helping them to throw off those stigmas and those barriers that has that it was essentially is there from the previous generation who wanted everything perfect
0: but even even with those examples of plus size models and so on do you not feel like in a certain sense social media encourages you know the projection of positivity more so than it encourages the projection of genuine introspection
2: i think um, it's deemed to whoever is producing that mm-hmm. bit of media and I, and, I, and i think with young people um one of the key things that i'm very passionate about um, at the Resilience Project is making sure that we understand what that tool is used for, understanding the tool, because mm-hmm. I think uh, there was a, a great phrase that comes from Miles M- M- Monroe, who was a psychologist, um, and, and he said, um, "If if a purpose of something is unknown, then I've abuse. That yeah, then oh! then then abuse is inevitable. Yeah. So if you don't understand what something is used for, people abuse it and use it for something different. For instance, right." The most ungodly creation ever created—a spork. What the heck is a spork?
1: What is a spork?
2: A spoon and a fork. Yeah. Why? Why would you do that? It's not a fork. It's not a spoon. You what get salads all the time. You know, so.
0: It's like a sort of like spoon
2: with no, like...
1: No, it three. has three prongs. It is a fork. There's no sports. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's like those skorts.
2: Shorts.
1: <laughs> <laughs> skirt shorts. Oh, please. What
2: is that? Just have a skirt or short. It's fine. Well, but... Serena Williams wears skorts, so...
1: Yeah but, yeah, but that's tennis. That's tennis a little bit though, different. It's a little bit
2: different. But you know, for, for me personally, like the, the idea of if you don't know what it's used for, then you're, you're going to use it for whatever you want to use it for, but it might not be its intended use. So yeah. I think we always have to find that line of what is this intended use and how do I use it? rather than let me just run wild with it because you know, yeah. you're know you taught from a young age, don't run with scissors, right? And most young people say why until someone gets injured with running with scissors and they say, oh, that's why.
0: <laughs> I just, you know, I, I, I don't know. This must be just me. I just feel like the culture of social media and the a lot of the culture of young people it's encouraging making the personal public and the public personal. And I think the issue with that is that, you know, a lot of the times people don't want to sort of have honest conversations on social media. And even when people do, oftentimes it's, you know, it's in some way subversive or not genuine or, you know, toxic, you know, quite frankly. Um, but I think
1: authenticity know, is rising. I mean, you yeah. look at people like, you know, they, they, these are not phenomenal examples, but you get the point of what I'm trying to say. You look at someone like Charlotte from Geordie Shore. Yeah. Even though some of the stuff she says, you think, oh, she's 100% authentically herself. Mm-hmm. And people follow that because they want realness, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that's not going to change overnight, um, you know, but as Pantene says, it's not going to happen overnight, but it will happen.
2: Uh- <laughs> <laughs> and as well, Pantene I think, sorry we call it Pantene in Australia yeah sorry sorry, guys yeah we're we'll excused I was just talking <laughs> um, so and that adds to the point where well, I'm saying you know we do need to learn what social media is for social media wasn't around 20 years ago this is new territory that we're stepping in you need to understand what the heck it is why did we create it the main reason why Facebook was created for instance was to connect with friends it is not there for you to start playing Candy Crush while you're chatting with your heart in, <laughs> in god knows where of, of part of a country do you know, do you know what i mean yeah. that that's its main reason so we have to really kind of delve in and understand and help young people i believe to understand what it is yeah you can use it for anything but you need to know what it is like you drive because you want to be on the road you don't drive to knock people over Do you know what i mean you don't drive on the pavement now you, you, no one does that yeah. so you, we we need to develop understanding of 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 this tool which is social media as you mentioned the sort
0: of rise of genuine social media influencers and I think I agree with you I think that is a good thing and it it definitely seems to be on the rise but it it does pose a change I feel Mm -hmm. uh, from what behaviour was like in the past you know I I mentioned the public and the personal and I feel in the past people had different public personas to what they would have in private but with what you mentioned about, you know, social media and being able to express yourself every day to an audience, either, you know, on a small scale, just your friends or, you know, large masses if you're a social media influencer. Do you think that blurring of the line between your public, you know, your public personality and your personal personality is a good thing or a bad thing?
1: There's a... I'm not sure what movie it is and Carl's probably going to do it. (laughs) But, you know... Great responsibility, on, like, you know...
2: They, Spider-Man. That's
1: Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Right there, guys. <laughs> it's Spider-Man. Do you know what I mean? But it does. It, great responsibility does come with, you know, these people having having followers. And I don't think it's bad and I don't think the, lies, the lines are going to be blurred for an influencer put up that they've had a hard day. I think that's encouraging. Where I think the lines are blurred is when their authenticity is not there about it or it's the humble brag. Where you know it's
2: hashtag oh, not bragging.
1: I've I've had ha- I've had such you know half naked photo. I've had such a hard day. You know life has been really busy and difficult. Well, that's not what you're displaying, but I think if there's authenticity in. You know, I I genuinely love following the people that wake up and, you know, you see them on a camera and they're doled up and, but and they're on the Instagram thing, you know, one eye's half shut and they're going, oh, it's 5 o'clock in the morning and I have to get up. Like I think that authenticity is there but I don't think, I think we're only just on the precipice of that being something bigger than what it is now um, and I think that's one of the main messages of the Resilience Project is encouraging that, which is why we have the Resilience Campaign. Uh, you know, I'm resilient of just sharing sharing stories of people's real-life challenges or the hard times or the good times because learning from mistakes or learning from challenges, whether it's from an influencer or your family member, is not necessarily about just seeing the negative or the challenge. It might be, you know, seeing the positive as well. Um, So I think the line can be blurred and I think there's some influencers who need to take responsibility for that. I mean, you see stuff blow up in the media all the time about, you know, Kim K and these Slim Shakes and stuff like that yeah i think the lines are blurred there but i think we're on the precipice of this authenticity really drawing young people in um yeah
2: i've I've got two points about this right number one the humble brag i hate it okay (laughs) hashtag hashtag hustle hustle hashtag gym time i don't need to know that you're at a gym bro just go to the gym (laughs) you don't need to hashtag it to me and tell me that you're there when you're not basically doing what you're meant to be doing in a gym if you're tagging and give me a selfie of your nine pack all right you're not okay if you've got nine pack peace to you but i don't need to see it right? i don't need to see it you can show me but i don't need to see it bro and i don't need hashtags on it that's my <laughs> pet peeve and we should stop doing that blooming stupid thing number two is um as i said in terms about when it comes to um the the orphan thing i think that is so important for social media like the fact that you are honestly showing yourself and being yourself, that is, I think it's expression of what it's meant to be like. It's not meant to be a caricature of yourself. And with technology anyway, things are becoming all kind of connected. So it's getting harder for you to have this social media face mm-hmm. and then this actual real face, yeah. you know? because some companies, when they, when they hire you, go to your social media yeah. to yeah. see what you're like, to see if you fit what you're kind of being hired into. So it's important to understand that too, while you're posting things on social media and to understand that it's not meant to be for this perceived world that only, you know, <laughs> the elite 10,000 followers you have are viewed, you know, and and you always wake up absolutely perfect. For me personally, um, I like girls with less makeup. I don't mind if you put on makeup, but I don't want to be scared in the morning when I wake up next to <laughs> you. I just don't want to be. Um, <laughs> that, 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 I come from that sort of like I grew up like that, you know So, you know, I think these things are so great And yeah. they can be used for such great things But when we kind of shrink it down And we say it's only for this It it, it kind of, for me, um, dampens tech And I, I love tech I think tech is so important to us And it can be used for so much good And I just don't like being at scenes for wrong things, really
0: I think we touched on this a little bit earlier um, And it's definitely a good thing That people are sharing, you know, their honest selves Mm -hmm. much more on social media Mm -hmm. but I've noticed that you know especially you know we talked about a little bit about mental health earlier Um, I've definitely noticed on social media this kind of resurgence and repetition of the romanticization of certain mental illnesses Mm -hmm. uh, and you know people using terms like depression and sort of stuff like that get as <laughs> yeah. well almost like a positive almost you know it's got you know people will use not holding the weight of some of these illnesses okay. um, do you feel like there's a you know certain risk um, and ha- all right fine fingers, just, just go just go just this, is is, this is
1: one thing these guys have heard we talk about so much this comes down I think majority of Majority, whatever majority, majority? To yeah, to Australia. largely, <laughs> largely correct. Thank you um, <clears throat> to our theologian in the room. Own- <laughs> um, <laughs> no, <laughs> um, I think this 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 comes down to the fact that people don't under- actually understand what it is, and it and it ties back to what I said at the start that whilst it's phenomenal that people feel okay to say. I am struggling with feeling anxious or anything like that. There is no separation, understanding of what it actually is. Um, you know, the, the example I used at the start was: if you're a uni student and you're in a busy exam period and you're feeling anxious, if that does not necessarily mean you have anxiety, and so I think what I love about what we're doing is we're separating the two, going what is a feeling that is going to come and go? Like if you think about us, sometimes we'll wake up and we don't want to go to work, we don't want to go to uni, we don't want to do this, but the next day we don't feel like that because we have the skills, we have the tools, we know how to motivate ourselves to get ourselves up to go and do it. Not saying that we always do it. You know, I can get stuck watching about 20 episodes of Grey's Anatomy. Like, don't get get me wrong, I'm not misproactive all the time. (laughs) Um, But the reality is... Is what we're separating is what is a feeling that comes and goes, and what is something you actually need help with. Um, and we were having this discussion off air earlier that it's actually your mind that controls your brain; it's not your brain that controls your mind. So it comes down to how we how do we produce. And you'd mentioned at the start around thinking how do we how do we change our thinking to realize I am feeling like this. Okay, this is a feeling of anxiousness, but how do I help myself to not feel like that. For all of us, it's different. For me, it's art. You know, we've, we're have in a bu- really busy time at work. You know, you guys would 100% know. On the weekend, I just kind of had to zone out, get out my paints and chill, put some music on, paint a painting. It's It's not really great. It's not the best one I've ever done. But <laughs> the point of the story is, is that at that point I went, There's a lot going on, you know, there's pressures in the workplace, all of these kind of things. How do I stop myself from feeling those anxious feelings? And I think that's at what the Resilience Project, that's what we're we're doing is we're separating the two, which I think in turn, as people start to learn and we start to market the difference of what is emotional well-being, you know, slash resilience and what is mental health, that will catch on. You know, people are going to the yeah. doctors who are stressed at work, going, I'm really stressed at work, and the blessed the doctors, they don't have time to go, have you felt like this before? Is this a continual feeling? And they're getting three days off, which is fair enough, that's three days to unwind, but they're not learning to change the behavior of, when I'm feeling like this, how do I change that? Do you
0: think this also comes down to, you know, the popularization of phrases like, I'm feeling so depressed today, when, yeah. you know, depression is a clinical illness yeah. but you know you can't you're not depressed for a day it, you know you're depressed yeah. or just stressed out and I think yeah. something that you know I focus on quite a lot when I talk to young people and we do our resilience workshops is that difference between stress and depression and yeah. anxiety and you know these things that are disorders mm-hmm. and a, a, sim, a you know a, a symptom almost of repeated stress and yeah. you know behaviours where you know people struggle to deal with some, yeah. something like that Um you know, what's, what What would you say the best way of, you know, avoiding the use of phrases like that or trying to educate people to know the difference between stress and severe anxiety or stress and depression, I stuff don't like think,
1: that? I don't think you can avoid it because I think, you know, even with the, the younger generations, all of those words are naturally... Like, you think about, you know, the connotations which were around when we were teenagers, you know, I, I'm not going to say it, but, you know, the politi- politically correct words, which we might throw out to, you know, dance with a friend, they're not okay now, um, you know, and and not that they were then, but I think we can't change the way that young people use language, but we can help them separate the two by as friends or as family or as supports or as services asking them the questions have you felt like this before what 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 made you feel like this and establishing what is the point of feeling anxious or you know, feeling sad. I was having this conversation last night with my housemate and we were talking about work, you know, and, and she had had a hard day. And, you know, it's the things like that where you go, oh, actually, that's made me feel a little bit sad. doesn't mean I'm depressed. So it's just the people around and us having to learn, you know, if someone's coming and saying I'm stressed, okay, what's making you feel stressed and getting to the cause. So that, that is where resilience comes in because then there's change and growth around that
2: definitely um, I think as well you got to look at the wording as well because I know a lot of people throw on lots of words and there was this great advert that I saw from the I think it's the NHS um, where they had like they had this little nursery rhyme which which I remember because I say like sticks and stones can break my bones but words can never hurt me a good ad. the reality is words can hurt you yeah <laughs> words they, they hurt. Yeah. Yeah. They probably hurt more than sticks and stones because um, sticks and stones is a, is a something that could happen now and my body can heal and I'll be okay. But the word will stick with me in my brain and I'll meditate yeah. along that word and it becomes an issue. And I think that's what we are doing here is, is in the Resilience Project is defining an issue, a problem which is ongoing, ongoing thing, something that is consistently repetitive and something that is, I just feel like that because of the last 24 hours. Yeah not because of the last 10 years, you know, or three years. Or an experience. Or an experience, you know, it's constant reminders. So I think that's where you can separate these two things and you can really separate mental health and go mental health is, this and emotional well being and um, issues that I deal with on a daily basis that I am kind of inconsistent, kind of view of, are not the same thing as me having this particular issue that I've had for the last three years and I don't know how to work, don't have to deal with it.
0: It's interesting you, you raised that example between words and, you know, objects hurting you. I often find that, you know, if you're honest with yourself and you understand, you know, your deficiencies and your insecurities and whatnot. I feel like the power of words really diminishes. Um, Personally, I don't know what you guys think, but, you know, if you're, you know, a a word or a phrase or something that someone says, is only ever really hurtful if they're raising something that you're insecure about that you've not accepted. Um, What do you think the Resilience Project and Resilience as a whole can teach us about that? I mean, you know, because we have a lot of things about
2: awareness and openness Mm -hmm. and honesty. I I think it... it it crosses two lines because if you've had, um, if you if you've been, um, if you had issues in your childhood, whether it's abuse, whether it's physical or mental abuse, right? The wording will hurt, even Very if different. even if someone else has said it later on down the line, because you are attaching it to what has transpired in your past. So these verbal triggers, that exactly. Yeah. So about, yeah, so it's a verbal trigger of a word that has hurt you in the past that yeah. you haven't, and I agree, you haven't dealt with it. You haven't been aware of. And it kind of just rises something in you and you can't kind of stop where it does. But I think what the Resilience Project does really well that conversation that seeking advice once you go and try to find issues and help for that problems or or problems that I've had in the past, these things will come up in conversation with an advisor or um, a a counsellor as we have in the UK. Um, In the US, which I'm kind of connected to and part of, um, we have psychiatrists or child psychiatrists that we can go to um, to speak about these things. But in the UK, it's kind of really different. You don't really have as many or have access to that. And I think that's one of the issues.
1: (laughs) Do you know what? I think with the Resilience Project, you know, Really, we're delivering the how um, because you were talking about, the, you know, the context of, you know, triggering words and things. As a social worker, when you talk to someone, majority of the time, they already know what the problem is, but they don't know how to move forward from it. Like that's what people don't know. They know that exams make them feel, or the way people talk to them, or that they're insecure. We all know what our faults are, and we all know what our challenges are, but some people just don't know how to move forward from that, and don't feel okay to move forward from that. So I think we're really, like, in all that we're doing, the app, you know, the programs, the public talks, is Teaching people how to be vulnerable and giving them hows, and the hows that we deliver may not necessarily be the ones that work for you, but they spark ideas, you know, as to what does work for you. You know, we were having this. Alex and I were having this conversation earlier about writing, and you know, we all know I'm a horrendous writer. I mean, I I spelt the word biscotti till I was about thirteen, instead of spaghetti, um you know. But a, a Alex was saying that he really enjoys writing. You know what I mean? So. If we were both feeling stressed, I'm sure that writing would help Alex, you know, and and, and it wouldn't necessarily help me. It would probably just really, really stress me out, you know. But I think at the project, we're really just providing the how and just saying that there are ways out there for you to not necessarily feel that or or know the signs of, hey, I'm starting to feel like this. How do I change that and how do I grow from it? I think
0: sometimes as well, you know, a lot of people get stuck in these <clears throat> you know along with not knowing how to solve uh-huh. problems, but also get stuck in these kind of mental blocks almost um where you know certain things are over or under emphasized, and yeah. for that reason they feel like their whole life is at stake when it might not be, or they feel like something is okay on a minor issue when it's actually quite a big issue um and these can be barriers as well i mean I know personally you know i i I think the the best way to think about life really is as a series of games uh, and obstacles as opposed to, you know, one big scary thing that you have to get through. Um,
1: like Donkey Kong?
0: <laughs> almost. Like, there are levels. Loved a
1: bit of Donkey Kong. There,
0: there are always, you know... If Other you,
2: games it, are available. Did if, you have
1: Donkey Kong in... Sorry, I'm really distracting <laughs> did, did, did you have Donkey Kong in the uh, UK? Yeah, yeah, we
2: yeah. did. On the Super Nintendo.
1: Loved a bit of Diddy as well. Not P. Diddy. <laughs> Diddy Kong. Diddy Kong. Diddy Kong. <laughs> Sorry, Alex. <Kiko. laughs>
0: but yeah, no, I, I mean, I talk about this quite a lot in the writing that we do and uh, the workshops. But like, you know, seeing life as, as a game with different levels, I think, is a very useful mindset to have. And actually, that leads me on to our quote of the day, um, which is by, well, I think it's by Epictetus. But anyway, it's a stoic quote, uh, which <laughs> we'll talk about later. But the quote is, hope for that which is utterly just and prepare yourself for that which is utterly unjust. Mm. And I think that's, you know, that's one of the tenets of stoicism. And I think it's useful and it goes very well with what we sort of preach in the Resilience Project. You know, this, this idea of prepare yourself for difficulty, but hope for the best, you know, just because mm. you're aware that difficulty might occur and things might not go your way, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't be optimistic about your life. <laughs> um and i guess it sort of promotes this idea of balance as well so what do you got do you think that quote works or am i wrong
2: well i th- i think for our uh, like listeners we have to like explain where stoicism kind of come from yeah no,
0: no no just just like the quote and then we'll talk about that the
2: quote um well life in general um is a myriad of things i think you need yeah. to be able to, as as they say in the old days, take the good with the bad and the rough yeah, with the smooth, yeah. you know. Um, and and that's just part of every day. You, we have four seasons: one which is great, another which is hopeful, and the other one which is totally, oh my gosh, oblivious.
1: Not Australia, um, <laughs>
2: <laughs> you know. Or is that a subtle flex? You know, yeah. Yeah, she's like, yes, Australian. So it's sunshine, yeah, humble, humble brag, brag ha- all year round. Ha- hashtag, 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 hashtag summer, all year round. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Yeah, so um, I I think those seasons are are, are there and they kind of, of in a a way, mirror life, right? There there are times that you're hopeful. There are times where, you know, it's actually quite dark. Um, There are times where, you know, everything's going great and it's sunny outside. And there's times when things are preparing to to change, which which is why I like autumn. I like the change of autumn, yeah. Mm.
1: Ash? Do you know (laughs) what... In my head, all I'm thinking, or literally, I, I am focused, but since Carl was saying those words, all in my head I'm thinking is, wicked, wicked. <laughs> Jungle <laughs> is massive. <laughs> it just keeps playing in my head. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry to the listeners and to our producer, Dave. He's probably killing me right now. Um, uh, could you read that again? But <laughs> well, tell us what you think about it.
0: Hope for what is utterly just and prepare yourself for that which is utterly unjust.
1: Yeah. I think, um, I mean, we were having this, you know, inside battle yesterday about optimism and realism, but I think that... But like, you um, can... Sorry. sorry, But
0: like, like there are sort of like more simple quotes like in the English language as well. It's sort of like, it's the equivalent of saying, uh, like reach for the stars uh, or like... Like shoot for the stars, but reach for the or whatever. Like it's that idea of like having optimistic dreams, but you know, be realistic about what happens if things go wrong. You know that that kind of thing. Don't rely on your dreams almost, but still reach for them.
1: Well, I think you should. I think you should always rely on your dreams. I think you should always chase them but have the reality that there is going to be challenges along the way. Yeah. There's always going to be yeah. challenges on the way. I mean, you look at young people going to job interviews now and they're not getting asked, what have you done? They're going, tell me what you failed at. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's the reality. Like, we're lucky enough to, part of the work that we do to work in, you know, with startups and, you know, young people who are entrepreneurial and, and that's, that's what it is. So, I think you, you do hope for it and I think there is optimism out, about it. But just know that challenge is going to come, but it doesn't mean that it stops you or halts you. It actually only makes you stronger as yeah. a human being. Yeah,
2: yeah, um, I, I completely agree with that. And, you know, just to tag on to that, um, any young people who want to beat my record, um, I've sent 2,824 CVs before my first retail interview. So <laughs> if any young person can beat that, you know, I will I'll send you a chalky biscuit. <laughs> I will you know and so yeah it's it's that quote in a nutshell (laughs) I think I I think I think
0: this is a good point to plug our social media as you're asking young people to get in contact with you (laughs) so get in contact with us on Twitter and Instagram at iamresilient.project and if you happen to beat Cal's record of 2,800 or whatever you, then
2: you'll get a jockey biscuit let
0: us know and <laughs> Cal will send you a, jockey a jockey biscuit, biscuit. <laughs> one a jockey that
1: doesn't jockey break jockey. off when you dip it yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. Um, do you know what Talk, with all of this you know taking into context and you know we kind of mentioned um, Brexit and I know there's some passionate people in here around that <laughs> um, but I think Brexit is actually a, a really good example of resilience in young people um, you look, you know, the whoopsie-daisies of, of not voting the first time around, but you look at the election results p- after that first vote and the the numbers of youth went up and it kind of shook them into, hang on, I should have said something, I, I should have done something because now we're in this situation. That is a, a, a large example of resilience because all of those young people learnt at that point... If I do not raise my voice and if I do not speak up, we're not going to get the results that we want. And I know that's a very you know, controversial point or whatever, but that's a really good example of young people going, actually, this was a challenge and you know, we've learned from it now because I tell you what, next time the voting comes around, they will all be down there, they'll all be polling, they'll all be having their say.
2: And, and they'll all be looking at the actual facts yeah. Of, yeah. of what is coming next because I think that's what young people want. They want the real facts i think it's
0: interesting it's you know i agree with you actually i think it's also kick-started a lot of young entrepreneurs and and businesses and a reaction to that you know if you look at you know our future our choice you know there are loads of youth networks trying to start up you know young entrepreneurs you know be it politics business you know whatever you know this this swell of youth involvement in the public eye i feel in part has got to do with things like disenfranchisement with politics um and it's interesting, you know, obviously recently the independent group has formed, you know, this kind of breakup of our political and public system. Mm-hmm. I think is surmised and also caused by things like brexit um, and you know Trump in America
2: and I now completely agree I, I I literally tweeted them as well I said to them they, they have to take in account youth if you're creating anything new if you do not take into account the youth of the future you will fail because there's no point in starting something up which is exactly exactly the same it's just no point um so hopefully they take my tweet and, you know, and, and they run with it you know they need help but
0: I think they do because Shukat Amuna, I think he is involved with um, Our Future Our Choice um, and generally quite a lot of youth movements but it's it's always very interesting to see where these youth movements aim to go and what they do Mm -hmm. you always have a a breadth but I think if you look at a lot of the kind of protests at Westminster you know the anti-semitism one that happened recently there was like a couple of women's marches around the country a lot of those are actually led by young people um I think that's a real positive, and it definitely shows resilience. Yeah, so um, it, it,
1: it's it's a really good sign that resilience is in young people, Um, you know. And if people can do that as a collective, then they have the ability to do it as an individual.
2: You know, I I think the words of a fa- very famous song, I believe that children are our future, yeah. is really actually quite true, because um, with any young person coming up, you will become an adult at one point. So, you know you are the future and and that's what we have to kind of tell to make sure that people know is that you know you're not just a young person you're actually the future you know and i guess
0: and i guess in those instances you know making the personal public is is a good thing you know being aware that things that go on in the public eye actually do affect you personally and then taking that into your own hands and trying to make a difference and you know Be the change that you want to see in the world, or whatever one of those motivational quotes that you hear. You know, those things actually do apply. You know, as as cheesy as they may sound, you know, you can, you know, people can do things. You know, either you know, you can start your own movement, or you can even join a movement. You know, whatever, in whatever form that takes, ultimately, starting things like that up and being involved is always a positive. And sometimes it requires uh, negatives for that to happen. But I guess that's that's the whole point of resilience.
1: Yeah, definitely. And, and young people's voice at the Resilience Project is something that we really want to hear. Um, And you threw out the social media taglines and and things like that before, but do let us know, you know, your stories of resilience, your successes and your seemingly fails because we want to hear, I mean, we want to share them and, you know, we've met with a lot of young people who say they want to hear from other young people about resilience and what they've done, you know, what they've done in uni, what they've done to handle work, you know, their first job or, you know, situations with their family. So if you have any stories, do share it on social media and hashtag us at hashtag I'm resilient. Um, and we will pick that up because nothing spurs someone on more than hearing someone else has done it.
2: Agreed.
0: So... You mentioned sharing stories of resilience. What would you guys say is sort of like the most difficult thing that you've had to show resilience to overcome in in your lives? Um, well,
2: um, <laughs> first job, <laughs> 2,824 <laughs> oh, <laughs> 2, CVs. And the thing is, I remember that number. Um, the reason why I remember that number is because it, it, it reminds me um, that there will be opposition. I would have to pass through something very difficult to get the end result. That last two hundred and twenty fifth C V um, was to a very influential um chief design officer that actually got me my internship um at a um a company <laughs> 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 a, a a digital company which kind of spurned my whole love for all things yeah. digital. So um yeah that would be my kind of
0: Would you say that 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 resilience like you already had or do you think that's something that you learned along I I, I learned along those 1,000 CVs in
2: (laughs) yeah I think 1,000 CVs in oh my gosh why have I not got any responses back you know and all those all all those like CVs I only had like three interviews Mm. I think it was three interviews and all of them like two of them were, were no and the one was the last CV that actually got me like that internship so you know it, 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 it was literally my whole field of resilience in like these 2,824 CVs. And that's probably, that, that's probably why I remember the exact number.
0: How about you, Ashley?
1: Um, I would say one of my biggest things was packing up living Australia and going to work in Germany in a country where I didn't know anyone, a language I didn't speak, um, with no one but me, myself and I um and that was definitely learning along the way it's another
2: reference to a song by the way guys
1: me myself and i yeah um that was definitely learning along the way um and learning from other people because i mean my mum you know i'm in my 30s now i'm not gonna mention the second digit <laughs> <laughs> Um, but my mum has been one of my biggest supporters ever and I remember the day that I went to her and I said, I've got something to talk to you about. And she said, you've got to move overseas, aren't you? And I was like, how did you know? And she was I was a really h- horrendous child, um, basically. And, and she said to me that I used to say to her, I'm going to find the biggest city and I'm going to live in it. and no one's ever going to tell me what to do. But when she said to me, you've got to move overseas, and I said, what do you think? And she said, the only thing I have to tell you is never be scared to do it because what's the worst that can happen when you come home? And that was a massive learning thing for me because I rock up in Germany at midnight moving into a house of people I didn't know and I kind of just had to do it anyway. Um, You know, you hear the sayings by Joyce Meyer, feel fear and do it anyway. You know, you can have faith that something's going to work out or you can have fear, they don't coexist. It's the same feeling but one's a positive and one's a negative. And so I kind of just had to brush that fear aside and be persistent with it. And now I'm here.
0: I think parents have a role to play in that as well. You know, sometimes you know some parents, cotton wool. You know what you said about yeah, I, just learning to do it. I think I think that's that's really useful.
1: I think I think learning to do it and learning from other people. I think parents have a role, but the the, the resilience is about you. Yeah. And whilst we can look at all the circumstances in our lives and take the positives from people and take the negatives from people, at the end of the day, it's our lives. It's our decision we can choose to let that affect us or we can choose to not. So yeah, I think parents obviously play a massive role and you know, we won't get into the psychology and all of, of all of that. But I think at the end of the day, resilience is about us. It's about our choice, how we choose to move forward, how we choose to recognize. I mean, what would you say your example of resilience is?
0: There are a number of things. I mean, you know, I, I traveled for a month, mu- you know, after I left school, I went traveling for a month around Europe um, I think that was quite a big one it's the first mm-hmm. time that you know like you have to sort of worry like about budgeting and like <laughs> it's like it's yeah. sound, it sounds stupid but it's just like you know I know, I knew I had a certain amount of money and like I was on my own like around Europe and it's you know you have to find where you're living you have to like budget every day you have to do things like that and like you, you know, have to eat night-
1: that cereal that's been there <laughs> for about three weeks
0: and like <laughs> And like there was stuff like you know certain like some nights yeah. you know we didn't have accommodation so like we literally slept rough and stuff and it was like stuff like that it was like real eye opener yeah. and then obviously going to uni was a big one like that first night is like I always remember it it's like it was like a big excitement like moved in like my parents and everything and then they left and it's like I st- it was the first night. I still not met anyone um, I think I went a couple days earlier. And it's like I just lay down in this, like, really uncomfortable, like, still-framed bed with like, a... It's like People this, coming
1: in at four o'clock in the morning.
0: So, like this, like, this thin mattress, like, it was just... I, I prefer sleeping rough in Italy, to myself. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, and then it's like, like, you just, like, lay down there in the darkness. I just remember thinking, it's like, wow, like, this is it. It's like, you know, I'm not at home anymore. Um, but things like that, I mean, there, it's i guess it's just like just doing it and then like having done all that it's like mm-hmm. i could go and travel around europe now and like yeah. going back to uni it's like n- that those things aren't as difficult now yeah. because i've done them and i guess that that brings it back to the right message of resilience um cal what, what, what was it like for you to like move out from home
2: and stuff like move out from home well my mum went back to the states at 18 so i was literally on my own at 18 so um that was my. That was literally my whole uni like life. Like literally, I was on my own. I, I I couldn't, you know. So it it was daunting. Um, luckily, me and my brother were living together, so we kind of shared expenses and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's more fair if you're on your own, I guess. Um, but that was my experience. My first experience of being alone, and and um, it was scary at times because I had to learn how to cook. I burnt a lot of pasta. <laughs> um, <laughs> and threw away a lot of rice that's a big one the
1: 49 yeah. piece pasta 49 from Audi yeah. if you're living out of home you it's the place it's to the go place to- <laughs> yeah
2: you know and, and there'll be times where after after you know we paid all our bills I would have like 20 quid left mm. you know I've got to budget that 20 quid for the next three weeks you know so. Yeah. Um,
1: and one it, tube rice 440 you know?
2: <laughs> <laughs> and I'll still go to the SU and buy my one pound drinks <laughs> um, so yeah, um, it, was, it was a lot, but I think, like Ash says, you know, it's about feeling the fear and doing it anyway. Yeah. Um, and I think that helps with you know positive development, I guess. So just to wrap all things up, yeah. What
0: would you say, Cal? Your take-home message about resilience in a in a couple of words in a sentence. How can young people help themselves become more resilient? Um,
2: I think my personal kind of tip is to stop and think. Um, it's good to definitely stop and think wh- whether you're doing anything um, new, you, that you've done before, that you're kind of uncertain about. Stop, think through it, make some pros and cons if you can, and then make a decision that you're comfortable with. At the end of the day, it's your decision. Um, so be comfortable with it. Um, and, you know, if th- things go wrong, hey, th- things go wrong. But at least, you know, you've made your decision and not anyone else has made it for you. That's the main thing for me.
1: Um. I'm going to go with something that my mum used to say. Oh, I love mummy quotes. I love mummy quotes. Tomorrow's a new day. Tomorrow is always a new day. And if you're not okay one day, you will be the next day. So challenge is not something to shy away from or hide from. Just kind of walk boldly into it and just think, I can smash this. I can do this because joy comes in the morning. We
2: could shower ashes, mum. <laughs>
0: And finally for me, I'd well. I'd say I'd say the goal I think the most important thing about resilience is being honest with yourself and being balanced in everything you do. No one is Atlas. Um, you can't carry the world on your shoulders all the time. Sometimes you have to be vulnerable. Sometimes you have to ask others for help, you know. The story of Atlas is Greek myth, not Greek history. You know, if everyone was to carry the pressure of everything they encounter all the time they would break. Um, and I think ultimately that's that's a really important tech home message.
2: And by the way, guys, Alex is Greek, so he uses a lot of Greek references all the time. So you might be hearing more of Greek mythology um, throughout this I podcast. Don't know how much
0: you love that? About
1: and he Cal, looks like so. a Greek god. Yeah. Check out the videos yeah. on the social media. <laughs> yeah.
2: He he literally looks like you know like you know like he, he would say his name like bellow it from his bows Alexandros
1: Alexandros.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I think think you're overselling (laughs)
1: Um, but but on a side note in regards to resilience do get in touch with us Um, if you're a service or a provider um, you know do get in contact with us because we're always there to help however we can support your agenda and support your young people Mm -hmm.
0: thank you Ashley thank you Cal thank you that's it from us thank you Alex next time next time see
1: ya